Good morning, brothers and sisters. I know you've made certain effort to be here to hear God's Word and worship, pray, and praise, and my prayer is that you go home filled up, spiritually speaking, and are glad that you came. I'm going to start with a phrase that I'll, I'll also bring back at the end of the sermon, but I want you to hear it now, and uh, maybe just file it away in the back of your mind, okay? Life is a cruel and honest teacher leading you to understand the emptiness of a life without God. Life is a cruel but honest teacher leading you to understand what it's like to have a, the emptiness of a life without God. One of the questions of the ages is what is God like? And as humans have thought about that and asked that, they, we've come up with a lot of ideas Many of the founders of our country were deists. They weren't all Christians. Deists believe God is there. He's a creator, but that he, he created this wonderful world with a grand design and then backed away and lets it all go according to its natural forces. Is that what God's like? Just a creator that backed away and just lets us kind of live randomly? Some, some believe God is is a moralist. He's a, he's a judge and he exacts justice and it, you just need to wait for it, but it'll happen. It, that's really what karma is kind of built on. Go, goes around, comes around. I was, I was in a, 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 a grass and dirt store uh, a couple days Friday to buy some dirt and this guy behind the counter was listening to a couple other guys talking about someone who gypped the other one in a business deal. And he goes, yeah, that guy gypped me. That's bad karma. He's going to get his. If I ever catch him, I'm going to knock him out. I said, well, that'd be bad karma for you. <laughs> so a life of justice, right and wrong, and what goes around comes around. That's what God's like, they think. Mystics think God is experiential and he wants to touch you experientially. You just need to learn how to get into the right uh, mystical experience with him. You know what Jesus said? He said nobody can know what God's like except Jesus. <laughs> this is what he said to the Jews. He said, no one's ever seen God but me. I am the son who's been in heaven. I am still in heaven. And unless I reveal him to you, you cannot know what God is like. John picked that up pretty easily. He wrote that in chapter 1, that, that he said that about Jesus. And in chapter 6, he tells how Jesus said it about himself. Jesus says, you cannot know what God is like unless you listen to Jesus. That is a bold and a very exclusive claim, but it's the truth. Remember how toward the end of his life, he said, and it's recorded in John's gospel, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You cannot know what God is like unless you know Jesus, and Jesus has to reveal him to you. In Luke's gospel in chapter 15, it's the only place we see this parable. It's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. It's so, it gives me chills just saying it. It's so beautiful and so uh, pure that it makes you think these people are real people. But it's really, it's a homemade story by Jesus about a father and two sons. And the reason he told the parable was to teach everyone what God is like. Before we get into the parable, though, I want to ask, what are people like? And I'm going to propose a, a, a paradigm for you today, okay? Picture there's a long continuum, like a number line up here. So 
that on this end of the continuum are savers. They're the people that save up and they, they believe that life is in making sure you have enough for yourself and those that you love. That might be financially. It might also be in good works. It might also be in memories, saving up memories. But these are the savers. They're on this end. On the other end of the spectrum are the spenders. And they believe that life is about, about just experiencing as much as you can. And if you save it, you lose it. You need to get it out there and just experience it all. And some, most people fall somewhere in between of the savers and spenders. But the further you are to one side, the harsher you are in your criticism of the people on the other side. Jesus, in his day, was plopped down into society where the, the savers, spiritually speaking, were the Pharisees. They probably saved pretty well fiscally with money, too, though. They were the good guys. Very religious, uh, very upstanding. Rarely would you find them uh, uh, driving over the speed limit or painting outside the lines or willfully hurting somebody. They were, they were good Sunday school, Saturday school students. They were good people. They were, like, they were more like us than we want to admit. Pharisees were the savers. The spenders just live frivolously. Well, they're usually defined in the Bible as the tax collectors and prostitutes. I find that kind of interesting that, that uh, they, get, they get named after something that they're known for doing, but they really are just living selfishly for experiencing life without any scruples toward God and man, being selfish that way. They were the spenders. The savers, they, they just knew those spenders who hurt many of their family members and hurt them, that God was going to get them eventually. And they felt like they, they're a lost cause. They're, they're people that are so far out of wanting to please God that God's mad at them, but in fact, they'd scratch their head, I don't know why he hasn't already get judged them. <laughs> why is he still leaving them here? That's the way they felt. I'm going to tell you, you feel that way about some people. You feel that way about some people you don't even know when you see them. You feel that way when you see their mugshot in the news or on your phone. I felt that way this week when my, my phone had a CNN report and I looked at it and it was two young men that had molested a young girl for years. I thought, God judged them. That was my first thought. Spenders. Jesus came... <laughs> And he sat down, go ahead to that slide, he sat down with the spenders, with the, with the tax collectors who were unscrupulous in cheating their neighbor and prostitutes and pimps and drug dealers and home wreckers and people that had multiple affairs, people of many different sexual deviances. People that just could care less about who they hurt. He went over and he sat with them and listened to them and talked to them. These guys over here, oh my goodness. What, 
he, he claims to be the enlightened one that's going to teach us all about who God is and what he's like. What's he doing sitting over there? They, it, says, it says in the Bible, we're going to read it, they muttered it to themselves. Now, while he tells this parable, those folks and those folks are both there. So he tells three parables. First, a parable of a guy had a hundred sheep and lost one and went and found it. A woman who had ten silver coins, she lost one and went and found it. And then a man who had two sons and he lost one. And each parable gets more and more emotional and more and more close to home. And when Jesus tells the parable, in the presence of both groups, what Jesus is teaching them is what God is like. Remember the phrase at the beginning, life is a cruel and honest teacher that leads you to the emptiness, the, the knowledge that life without God is empty. Here's the thing. These people often know that their life is empty faster than these people. Because these people like you and me, we're, our life is full. We got a little money in the bank, we got a car to drive, we got a church that loves us, we got jobs, we got education, we, we're the good people, man. We've been playing by the social rules, right? But these, it's obvious, because they, they've put themselves in so many places where they need so much help from the rest of us, because they've been such a spender on everything. Often they are closer to finding God because life is a cruel and honest teacher that teaches you the emptiness of life without God than we are. And that was true of the Pharisees. Jesus used to say to them, your big problem is, is that you say that you can see because you're blind to what God is like. And could it be that in the sound of my voice with the Bitterness and the problems that you have in loving and forgiving other people and seeing the mission of Christ on earth, could it be that you are blind and say you see? That's why this parable is so powerful and important for us to look at. And I think now you're ready to let Jesus walk you through the story. I'm going to read it from here. It's going to show up on the screen, but it'll be easier for me to follow reading it to you from Luke chapter 15. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So, so he divided his property between them. Half of everything. I just want it for me. I want to go. I don't care about you, Father. I just want to, I just want to go and spend it on myself. I, just, I, it, it, I want it. It's mine. Let me run my life. Don't judge me. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He got to be independent, live on his own, be his own boss, spend it if that's what he wants to do. He was threw off dad's rules. He's 18 now, you know. Get to, get to go do it, do it, do your own thing. But if it feels good, I'm going to do it. 
He set off for a distant country and he squandered his wealth in wild living. While he had spent everything, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine because life is a cruel and honest teacher. There was a famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he, he went and hired himself. He, he, it says in the original, glued himself to a, a citizen of that country. He had to make new family because his old family he had spurned so badly. They sent him out into the fields to feed pigs. You know what pigs were to Jews who said they were unclean and that you shouldn't be around them. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Life leads you to the emptiness of a life without God. This is a a turning point in the whole parable. When he came to his senses. You mean these people can come to their senses? Yeah. While these people haven't yet come to their senses. Oh no, they've got good sense. They're the sensible people. Oh no, they don't know what God is like. They have no spiritual sense at all. See? So when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Lots of times we, we miss this about this parable. What was he in a faraway land at this time when he said this? He was a servant in somebody's business. But what was his master like? Wouldn't even give him the pig food, which was slop, to eat. No, don't you eat that. That's for the pigs. But he, my father, I remember how he took care of the servants. They were like members of the family. They got a place, to, a room to live in. They had food and sustenance. A lot like when the slaves of America would sometimes be freed, they'd re-indenture themselves because in the world that they felt like they'd live out their lives in, it was better to live with their master than to go try to make it on their own. My father is gracious and merciful to his servants. I'm not worthy to be called his son. I, I, I messed that up. But I'd love to be his servant because he is merciful and gracious. So he goes back. I'll set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll tell the truth. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not asking to be your son anymore. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. The best idea he'd ever had in his whole life. Went to his Father, what is God like? He's your Father. Not some distant God the deists talk about. Not some mystical thing that's trying to get you to find your way up to Him in mystical prayer. Not a judge that's going to send you this way or that way based on a ruling. He's a Father. While He was still a long way off, His father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. My son is back. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he never got the line out, make me like one of your servants. But the father said to his servants, Quick! 
Bring the robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Because the, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate because this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. The father, seeing the son come back and say what he said, knew that he was spiritually alive. That he had been, the son said to the father, You're dead to me, give me my inheritance, and left. And the son was dead to understanding the father. But the son, in his lifetime, became alive to understanding who his father was. He got it. His father was a father, a gracious and merciful dad who loved people unconditionally, servant or not, son or not. He understood who his father was. He's alive. Remember, when the younger son asked the father to divide the estate, he did it. So, if he divided the estate between the sons, and that's what it says he did, who has legal ownership of the entire estate now? The older son, right? So this is the father, is, he's, he's living out semi-retirement. The son is really kind of taking over everything, and he's the heir of all things. He's not going to lose any of that, heir of all things. But watch what happens. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what's going on? Well, your brother, the servant said, he's come home. Your father's killed the fatted calf because he has him back, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother said, my brother has come home? You mean he came to his senses? You mean we got my brother back? No. He became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have slaved for you and, you ne and never disobeyed your rules and orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But then this son of yours who has squandered the pro your property with prostitutes comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him? You are no judge at all of justice. You're so unfair. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Get this phrase. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The consequences of this, the younger son's life weren't going to be changed in the sense that he would come back and take over another half of everything. When the father says to the older son, everything I have is yours, he's saying he's coming back to live as a member of the family and, he will, and, 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 and I want you to rejoice because he understands my love because really, according to the father who owned everything and could divide it up between him if he wanted or not, according to the father, none of the stuff that the older brother or the younger brother are misusing has any value at all of itself. 
It's all empty. The older son thought his life was so full and that the younger son had taken half of what could have been fuller for both of them. And his life was, in fact, empty. Because the older son wasn't going to be here that long himself either. And everything temporal is just that, temporary. The only thing that lasts are people. The only thing that lasts are people. Do you get it? God loves people. What is God like? He's like a father who made every human being. Every human being in the, in the, in the mind of God is made in his image. And as long as they have a beating heart, they can come home to God. And they'll get the same grace that everybody else gets. How could God be this way? Because of the man telling the parable. The son. Jesus said to, in John 8, he said, if you, if you remain in my teaching that I am your Savior, he said, you will be a son and not a slave. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from thinking that saving is a full life. Free from thinking that spending is where it's at. Free from living as an atheist. But living with someone who knows the love of God. And it makes you step forward in life and be a servant-hearted son instead of a spender or a saver. You'll save some and you'll spend some, but you'll be a servant in your heart, a servant who's a son of God. See how beautiful it is? See how wonderful the parable is? It changes everything. You and I have a way of evaluating our lives like atheists more than half the time. We look at ourselves and we say, did I, did, I, did I save enough? Did I spend enough? Did I experience enough? Did I, did, I, did, did I keep myself from being hurt by those people enough? Away with all that. Come home. That older son did not know the father any better than the younger son when he was running from him. Because he didn't live in the attachment he had with his father based on a father's unconditional love. And everyone here that's been in a family, that's all of us, and especially those of you that have had your own children, know the, the strength of your love for people that has nothing to do with the record of right or wrong. I said, I was going to finish with this, life is a cruel and honest teacher to show you just how empty it is to live it without God. The Pharisees, they were empty. And the cruel thing was, when God came to earth, they had to watch God go sit with those guys. And that was cruel. I mean, after all, didn't they get a fatted calf for them? Don't, wouldn't the Savior just come and, and, and fawn over their dedication as a believer? You see, even talks about being a believer could actually be filled up with your own religiosity, your own self. And you cannot know God. God is this merciful, gracious Father who's, who loves both. He doesn't want you. The emptiness is a, is a servant. The emptiness is to lead you to Him. He doesn't want you to live in emptiness. This is what Jesus said in John 10. 
He said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. All of your sins are gone and all of the sins of everybody else are gone too. Some just don't know it yet. What is God like? He's like a father who intensely loves every human being. And he's like a father who wants all of us to love every other human being. I'm going to close by telling a a way that this was taught in my family life when I was a little kid. So I've lived long enough that I knew my grandmother. I never knew my grandfather. I knew my grandmother and watched my parents and their siblings raise their families. And then I've lived through my parents raising us and as six siblings. And now I'm a father of adult children. So you got one, two, three, four generations to experience. There was a rift in our family between my father and his sisters that made them stop speaking to each other and spending life with each other for, for the rest of their lives, really, that, which lasted probably 30-plus years. They talked a little bit, showed up for the big occasions like funerals and weddings. And it was hard because for a little while, I was old enough to know, we played together with our cousins and suddenly, boom, we never spent vacations together. And as I would inquire and we'd find out more about the rift and where it was and why it was, the one pure thing that came out without any scripture being quoted was my grandmother's ardent desire that everyone would forgive and get along and her family would be brought back together. Everyone else had their reasons why the hurt was so unjust and unfair and they couldn't get past it. But grandma, it's like, can't we just all get back together in love? And I watched my siblings and I grow up. And there, was, there were rifts and there were long periods without being talking to each other and hurt and judgment and And there was the same heart of my grandmother and my parents. Can't we just forgive and get back together? And I thought, isn't that fascinating? And Jesus pulled from that feeling of family love and that love should triumph and forgiveness and understanding that we we all love each other the same way. And he blows away all of our nursing our hurts and judgments and our sense of righteousness or fullness or emptiness. And he says, come to me and let me show you grace and mercy. Because, remember, he doesn't want you to worry about being either one of these in an atheistic way. He wants you to step out of it and be a servant's heart, have a servant's heart as a son of God who knows grace and forgiveness. And let the grace of Christ filtrate into your whole family And into your community and stop looking at people as good or bad or winners or losers and just see them as people that God wants to bring back to knowing the Father. What is God like? He's a loving Father. Amen.